With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Welcome listeners to another edition of Chessy Hour. I'll be hosting this latest instalment. I go by Timson. I'm here with um, two very knowledgeable and special co-hosts. First one goes by Meads. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, bro. I can't complain. It's... um... Yeah, man. I'm in a good I'm in a good spot. I'm in a good spot. But yeah, thanks for having me. No problem, pleasure. And another familiar name, Jay. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm all good, bro. All good. Can't complain at all. Good, good, good. Also good. Chelsea are moving in the right direction. Got a tax rebate. All's good with the world. How are you doing, Timothy? I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, a uh, little tax rebate might get my mum something, um, oh. and uh, yeah, or well, I might just put it towards the new Chelsea kit. I respect it. I respect it. Boy, you've got a lot to cover. A lot to cover. Um, yeah. So we're going to be talking Nicholas Jackson. We're going to be talking about um, 
Nkunku and how best to use him. We're going to be talking about a certain Brighton midfielder and the issues around him. We're going to be talking links to certain players and who we prefer. We're going to be talking about our top and our best performers for pre-season. And we're going to be talking about Pochettino's recent comments about the squad size, as well as getting towards some listeners' questions and talking about the infamous Kepa between the sticks. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it and uh, talk about Nicholas Jackson. He's, I don't think it's an understatement to say he's on fire at the moment so far for Chelsea. Um, scoring, he's assisting, he's linking up well with Mudrik. He looks a threat and um, personally for me, because the expectations were zero, um, pleasantly surprised. I'm going to start off with you, Jay. What are your thoughts? Is Jackson the real deal? Or let's not say, is he the real deal? Is he what you expected? Is he more so? Is he um, exactly what you'd hoped? Let me know. Um, I think, obviously, it's been it's been nice to see that he's uh, he's come straight in and, and performed like, the way he has. Um, a proper like, breath of fresh air. Not because... Um, the previous players that played up top were were considered like really poor, but more so because I think he's just an out and out striker more than anything. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I think that was the first that was the first positive about about the signing was that he he, he we were signing an actual striker. Do you know what I mean? And and um, even though nobody really knew too much about him, or most people anyway didn't know too much about him, like you said, you kind of um, you kind of like don't really have too much feelings about it, do you know what I mean? Because it's like you, the names just come out of nowhere. Um, obviously, we're signing so many young players. You just kind of think he's part of that batch of, you know, young talent that that the club are looking at at the moment. And then, you know, you see a few of his clips in Spain. Some of them that looked really good, actually. Like. Um, you know, like the, there was a good variety of things when you when you saw those clips of of him playing for Villarreal, but there was also talk of it being maybe a, maybe a purple patch. Um, so yeah, it was. I, like, I've been really impressed by him in it. Like I don't know, um, like what he's gonna look like in the prem over the course of the season, because um, there will be there will be like tougher games. Do you know what I mean? And you know how it gets sometimes in the Prem, like <laughs> all of a sudden there's no space and, you know, you could have two, three games where it's just not going, like the ball's not dropping for you, it's not going in. And it'll be interesting to see how he how he deals with those kind of games when he, when, he, um, when he comes across them. But generally in terms of him and even as a person, he seems like a really driven individual. He seems like somebody who is very selfless, like, He's just so on playing for the team, and he's kind of come here with a like. He's come here hungry, obviously, but he, you can tell he wants to be, you know, one of the best. Like just by the way he talks, I think he knows exactly where he is in terms of the club he plays for, and and what the club's been known for in the past. Like, so yeah, it's exciting. I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm really excited watching Jackson. I, I, like, I've stayed up to watch the games as well, like, and so I watched like. Four nineties, isn't it? And I'm, and I'm straight away off the back. He he's the one that kind of 
jumps out jumps out at you. Like there's obviously a few others, but but he's been really fun to watch, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> it's just nice to not have these expectations of a striker and for them and you to just genuinely enjoy what you're seeing from the striker. Um, his pace, his link-up play, just having those minimal expectations, but it's hard to have those minimal expectations from the striker. So I'm going to bounce the question over to Means. Um, what are your thoughts on um, Nico Jackson? And should we count this as a W so far, just so far, for the... Um, new scouting regime i mean you guys know me I'm, I'm not really one to get overly excited about players um whether they're from the academy or whether they are signed i'm not one to really get over zealous but from what i've seen of nicholas jackson um i've not seen anything that i dislike i've seen a lot of good good quality and ultimately I think so far it might be um, considered a win for the scouting department because he looks like a real find. Now, obviously, if you if you do do your research and you are you keep your ears to the streets, I mean, his name has been bounced about for a little while. I mean, he was very close to going to Bournemouth in January and it kind of fell through. Um, but he, I think. The quality that he's got is quite unique in a sense that when I watch him play, you look at things like just the soft stuff. So just technical ability, I think he's got very good technical ability. In terms of raw speed and, again, controlled speed, very, very good. Um, he's obviously very strongly built, um, but he's got very, very soft feet. And I think... Very assured of himself. So it's not just the footballing qualities. I think, like, like Jay said, the personal qualities as well, which I, I really, really appreciate. And it's like, I think he's got, I think personally already, I could already feel that he's a player that I'm going to, one, enjoy. Two, I I feel that there's just some players that arrive and you think that you can already, you can see straight away that they're going to be a success of sorts. And I look at him, um, injury permitted, I think he's going to be a real, real success here. Um, and I've always said for quite some time, like whilst Chelsea are known for spending lavish amounts of money, I've always said the 30 million mark, I feel comfortable in it. And I don't know what it is, but Chelsea spending around 30 to 40 million pounds on the young fancy, the play, I think it's like 35 million pounds, usually a sweet spot, but spending money on the relatively unknown player in that kind of region generally tends to work out well for us in my opinion um it's when we try and go bigger it tends to kind of fall on its feet uh, fall on its face and I just feel like with Nico Jackson he just looks and feels the part you know what I mean I just think he the way he talks as well he can carry a lot on his shoulders already you can already kind of tell but I hope that isn't well I hope that the way we build our squad isn't going to be just solely dependent on him um but yeah, it's so far it's good signs. So far it's really, really good signs. Really positive. Yeah, all positive on my end with Nico Jackson. Um, yeah, long may it continue. Now that's one of our striker options for the season. Uh, obviously, our marquee attacking option would be Christopher Nkunku, and he's not done bad either. Um, to 
kind of play it down. He, when he does play as the centre forward, which he has done in games, he looks so much better than a certain German player who's now departed for um, the north side of London. Uh, but whilst he's performing, he looks like he understands the striker role. And Kunku, I'm talking about, understands the striker role. Um, and he's just he's got the physical attributes and the mentality to play that role. Jury is still out is if that's the position that he'll find himself playing more often than not, or um, if it's the position that we should be aiming to put him in to get his, the best out of him. So, Mead, since you spoke last, I'm going to let you continue. Um, what are your thoughts on Nkunku, um, his performances as the striker so far? And if you think um, that's his best position or um, are we missing a trick? Um, well, you, as you guys know, I've been a big fan of Nkunku for a very long time. Um, and to be honest, when we were linked with him, I weren't sure if, one, his profile like met and married the profile of players that we had uh, at Chelsea at the time. Now, obviously, we've gone through wholesale changes at, the, at this point in time. So there's a lot of things that have changed. Um, so... I guess now it's really up to Pochettino to kind of make it fit. Um, I think his, his profile is very unique because he's not a traditional 10. He is more of a hot nine and a half. Um, so he is, yeah, uh, in between a striker and a 10. So he doesn't really play as a playmaker. He's more trying to get into the box and trying to make things happen. Now, don't get me wrong, he can create, um, he can drift wide and pull out wide and and do work and do some damage out there from wide. But I think most of his real star quality is when he's in and around the box and he could do serious, serious damage there. Now, he is a cute player. I think he can, um, he can open up teams, but I think his real superpowers is finishing um, and his emphatic strike, ball striking. Um, I do think... In our system, maybe under Pochettino, I think under a Poch team, I think he could thrive as a ten. Um, because remember how he used Deli Ali as the, the as the ten, but it was more like a nine and a half. And I think Nico Jackson has the the, the playmaking and um, link up play that could potentially have Nkunku thriving um, as a ten. Um, but I think there's there's a couple of ways you could play the ten. Obviously, your ten could be. Um, like your playmaker, like your attacking playmaker. Um, I don't think Nkunku would be that, but you can also have your 10 as being the second striker um, and being more of a, a player that enters the box into the final phase of the attacks to get an on the ball to, and, and score the goals and, and obviously get some assists as well. So I think that, that's got potential. I think that's got potential. I think it's still very soon for me. It's too soon for me to write it off. Obviously, in the game yesterday against Newcastle, in the first half, I saw Pochettino kind of complaining to Mbuku, saying that you're a bit too far up, you're a bit too far advanced, drop deeper, get involved in build-up, get involved in um, the team play and the structure. Um, so I think, obviously, there's still, like, teething, which is natural. It's pre-season. I don't think everything's going to be full flowy. But I definitely think he's been better in terms of performances when he's been up top. But again, for me, I still feel like he's not really involved in the game enough as a nine. So that's where you lose out. If you play him as a nine, 
ahead of Jackson, that that's where you kind of miss out on the, the pulling into channels and the physicality and the, and the real link quality that Jackson has. Um, and Kunku's deceptively quick as well. Um, one thing that he does love to do is being on, on the shoulder and drifting in between the two centre-backs or in between the, the full-back and the, the centre-back. He's very, very good at ghosting into that space. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. Um, for me, as a striker, I'd definitely, definitely be going ahead with Jackson um, just because I, I love his profile as a striker. Um, but in Kunku, for me, I think as a 10, it could definitely work. It just needs a bit of um, ironing out, ultimately. And I think that will come naturally with games. Nice. Jay, what are your thoughts on Nkunku and his best position? Yeah, no, I think I think Meads explained that really, really well because there's a lot of things that he said that I felt the same about. And I think when we talk about... Um, I'm glad Meads mentioned um, the part about Poch um, asking him to come a little bit deeper and get in and act more as a midfielder at times in the game because obviously I, I don't know I, I don't know whether it's just because it's pre season and it's and it's because of the players that we actually have in midfield that maybe they you know they maybe need a little bit more help at the moment and you know he hasn't really got um the perfect I don't know profile or the perfect player that he, he might want next to you know in his double pivot. But at the same time I feel like um and Kunku's got this he's doing this thing right now where he he um he's gone from being a striker at, at Leipzig where I, I agree with me in what he's saying in in terms of he's not a number ten, he's more he is more like a like a second striker. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's gonna do a lot of running into the box, late runs. His finishing is what is like his main strength. I agree with all those things and I think the um his the part of his career recently has been on the other side of things where it's been more going towards a striker and now he's come to Chelsea and, and it might just be a thing where the reason why it needs ironing out is because now he's on the other side of it now where he's he's maybe doing a little bit more of that work that involves dropping into midfield and, and maybe trying to create a little bit a little bit more. And so that's why the the you're gonna have to give him a little bit of time because when you've when you've played that role leading towards more of a striker for a club for, for I think he's played it for two seasons now. So he's gonna to need to get those habits back in terms of dropping into midfield and, you know, being the number ten that, that wants to create. But I also think it's a good thing that Chelsea at the moment we look like we're relying on Mudrick to come in and play those little cute passes through Matson we saw with a with a lovely through ball through through for um Jackson. Um, I think even when Noni eventually starts playing games as well, and we've even seen it with even Angelo, like I, I like that it's not really going to be heavily dependent on even Nkunku to make those passes. I think yeah. it will be. I think it will be a thing where Nkunku um, and Mead said Mead's kind of segued into it a little bit with uh, with his, with his last bit on Jackson, where he was like he doesn't want it to be a thing where it's all relying on Jackson to score and I think that's where Nkunku is going to come in I think yeah. that's it can be a really really good partnership where they get an understanding when one drops deep the other one can go ahead and it's like just a seamless transition in terms of like, Jackson, remember remember Anelka and Drogba when they were yeah, in the yeah, team yeah. under Ancelotti and yeah. 
you know, Anelka sometimes would drop deep and play, link play. Then you've got Drogba dropping deep and uh, Anelka's on the shoulder. Yeah, I'm like, very... You know, when I'm just, I'm like, I can see it. I can see the potential there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and definitely. don't get me wrong, Nkunku hasn't necessarily pulled up trees, but you can really see that, especially Jackson, he, he looks for his teammates. You know yeah. what I mean? He always looks for his teammates. So, I, I, but yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I could fully see that transpiring still. No, no, no. That that's it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's like that's what I'm saying. Is and I, and I think in, even in preseason, sometimes um, you sometimes even though you, it's nice to see those performances from like Jackson where it's like perfect and it's a goal and two assists. Sometimes you just want to, you just want to see the players are comfortable. And yeah. and I think with Mkunku, I think. That's what I'm. I'm happy about the most. He he just looks comfy in there. Do you know what I mean? And you can see it's one of those things where, yeah, cool. He's not banging in like two, three goals or whatever, and he's not coming out with two assists or whatever. But you can see that he's he's comfy and he's settling. And after, like you said, with a few more games with Jackson and and you know even just the team in general, like settling on the team that it's going to be because Poch has made it clear that he is going to be settling on the team. He's going to be settling on a you know a thirteen, fourteen player team that is like. They're they're going to be consistently playing, and you, you can only see that stuff getting better. Do you know what I, I mean? Just, you know how happy I am when I heard that. I'm just, bro. Listen, <laughs> you, know, you guys know me. Tuchel's my guy. In fact, he's one of my favorite ever coaches. I love the guy. But bro, listen, the best thing that Tuchel did at Chelsea, which won him the Champions League, was having a consistent team, a consistent base, where you knew who's playing every week. You're going to, you might have the odd change for Pulisic, for Havertz, or Pulisic, for Werner. Cool. But by and large, you've got a consistent team. And that consistency breeds results. And I think just... I, I, I just can't stress enough how important for me it is to have a team that consistently plays with each other. Because, again, you get so much connections. Like Just instantaneously, you see that Mudrick... And Jackson look for each other. Like you, yeah. you can see that there, there's a relationship they're forming. And I just feel like you chopping and changing, and you know, like now I get it. You, some people, some coaches want to be super clever. Like they want to have multiple ways to win, multiple ideals, multiple um, angles of attack, which is fine. But if your main way is working, come on, like at yeah. least make that your frequent staple. You know, yeah. and. Um, no, no, no. Not to stay on it as well, but like, um, like it, it is true, and we've like we've seen it with a previous coach, like, um, not not in terms of Lampard, but in terms of Potter. Yeah. Something really, something that really did undo him was was a lot of that kind of stuff. And fair play to him, like that's in the past. That's obviously is eventually when he's implemented it and it's done done properly, it's worked for him. But it it, it, it you you could see how it can also undo you know, a lot of your your work that you're doing because yeah. you're just changing too much and you just can't yeah. get it. So um, in terms of transfers, obviously there's one key transfer that everybody is pretty much expecting to get done at some point, but there's clearly a massive valuation difference around about 30 to 40 uh, million pounds so far between Brighton and Chelsea for Moises Caicedo. Now, Chelsea have looked into um, the potential of Romeo Lavia should they not sign him. But um, Joe Shields, I'm um, 
reading has had um, some reservations about his fit specifically for Chelsea. So this is a guy who's obviously signed him uh, in the past. So um, I'll read it. Chelsea's co-director and recruitment um, and recruitment of talent, Joe Shields, has no doubt. Oh, sorry, forgive me. Has no doubt Romeo Lavia could could be a good fit for Chelsea. Um, He signed him at Man City and Southampton. They'll they will look into him if Brighton continue to make things difficult. So, just looks like um, the clear alternative is Romeo Lavia. Sorry. Um, So it's looking like so with Moises Caicedo, it's looking like we either paid a hundred million, which in my opinion is I believe to be um, an overpay given his experience and um if we're if we're trying to compare his minutes and his experience in the Premier League to a Declan Rice, even though he is several years younger. But um that's what Brighton are asking for. The player signed a new contract, which I'm not understanding why. Um but yeah, what are your thoughts on it, Jay? I'll, um I'll let you answer first. A hundred million for me for Kaizedo is absolutely bonkers. Like, I rate him. I think he's a quality player. <laughs> I think he's quality. But honestly, um, this is about Casado, right? Not Lavia, right? Yeah, Casado. Yeah, just before I carry on, because thing with me is yeah, the Enzo thing. I didn't like the whole hundred million thing either, but at the time considering the context and everything going on at the t- at the time and where we were at as a club and trying to focus on getting some big players in for that next season, I kind of understood it in a way. And it was also a release clause. So we were kind of like, we didn't really have much options. We didn't really have much options in terms of like what, what to pay. With Caicedo, I feel like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> there's something just telling me, yeah, that, if I watch Santos for like the next 12 months and he plays, I don't know, 25 games for Chelsea this season, I feel like you could be saying the same thing about him. Mm-hmm. So, but like, Caicedo was, was in Ecuador like only, what, two years ago? Yeah. Like, it's... it's as, look, I love a signing. Meads will tell you, Dan will tell you, them, the man will tell you, I love a signing, bro. But for me... <laughs> Watching Chelsea over the years recently and just watching, like, I don't know, like, just where these some of these players are coming from. You're watching all these players scouting, these, watching all these teams scouting these players, bringing them over here. And then, you know, after a season or two, these big clubs are buying them. And it's like, why don't, why don't you as a big club just go do it yourself? Yeah. And we've done that. We've Now we've, we've, done the, we've done the beginning part where we've gone out there, we've got Santos, yeah? He's come in pre-season now. He's played a couple games and looked very solid. I don't know if you're meant to be spending a hundred million. On, I don't know if that's the. It just doesn't feel right for me. That yeah. hundred mil, and and that's not saying that you're going to pay a hundred mil for Casado and he's not going to be worth it. I think he'll come in and I think he'll have, I think he'll have great games for Chelsea if if he if he ends up signing for us. But at the same time, I just think. You're 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 gonna lose something by signing him. You are you're definitely gonna lose something by signing him. And and fans can kind of try and beat around the bush about it in terms of oh you know but we'll, we'll rotation and and this and that. 
10 years from now, if you have 200 million pound worth of midfielders, those two dons are going to start most of your games. A hundred percent. They're not yeah. running away from that. And, and like, yeah, like again, it's just the Santos thing for me is really, it's, it's bothering me a little bit because he, he just looks like a hungry, hungry, talented midfielder that we could benefit from playing this season and the effects that it will have on him in terms of, you know, playing for Chelsea this season, being a large part of maybe the club moving forward after a diabolical season, it will just be a very, it will be a much better thing to do in my opinion. But Caicedo does, he does come in and he does improve the team. He does improve the squad. I'm not going to yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. But 100 mil overall for me, my, my initial answer is 100 mil is, is very steep though. Yeah. It's it's like, uh, the way I see it, yeah, like I'm, I'm in two minds because I appreciate the club has done good scouting. So getting Santos, Angelo, you know, Datra Fofana, these players, for example, I think they, I think even Datra, even though he's on loan, I think he could add something. He's... um. He could have had something this season, in my opinion. He could have probably added something this season. He's gone on loan. I think he's going to do really well. He's going to come back next season. Now, I look at it and I think, all right, they've done their jobs in terms of finding these diamonds uh, in, in the rough or diamonds and that, that they're now really part of the squad. But I also understand that two years is quite a long time in football. If you think about a career, most footballers' careers at the top Generally, about about eight nine years. Yeah, we think about it. So from around the age of twenty one, if you if you break in twenty one twenty two, up until the age of thirty one thirty two, this pretty much the average pro footballer's top flight career, right? So yeah. two years. I, I, to me, I think about it in my head. I'm like, oh, rah, two years ain't that much, but it kind of is in in football in pro football. Yeah, it kind of is two years of established consistent football at a top league is significant experience, um, especially on that of a player that hasn't got any. Um, now, I fully agree. I think Santos, as a player, as an 18, 19-year-old kid, I think he's definitely got a lot of scope for growth, a lot of scope for growth. Um, and I think if you if he was to play 25 games a season, he'll grow exponentially because I think he's that talented. I think he's a really, really good player. But... But, 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 Caicedo, for me, is a really good player. And obviously, Jay, me and you, we've spoken about Caicedo for a long time. We know he's a good player. Yeah. £100 million, though, I always feel a little bit... Uh, it, it doesn't sit well with me. Unless you're a midfielder who has an absolute transformative impact on a team, whether that's on the defensive phase, which... Or, or the offensive phase, but for me, when you're spending 100 million pounds, it should be more in the offensive phase. But if if you're not having that transformative impact, then for me, I feel very uncomfortable when you're over the 60, 70 million pounds. For me, that's just me personally. Um, yeah. Now, does Caicedo revolutionise our midfield? I don't think so. I think he increases the level massively because I think he's that good of a player. But I don't think he tr- has a transformative impact on our midfield. I think, though, one thing that we I do want to mention, and I think it does go amiss, that like Poch is calling out for more experience. And obviously, again, as a football man, he's like 18, 19. It's different from 21, 22. It's different. 
you know. Um, and I think for Poch, when he's calling for more experience, he may not be necessarily calling for players to be 25, 30. But I think he's calling for, I think he's kind of calling for players that have been here at this level and played yeah. at this level. Um, yeah, and Caicedo kind of fits that mould. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, whilst I want the scouts to do, you know, find an alternative, find a cheap alternative, I also want Poch to kind of get the guys that he wants as well yeah. and like fall on the sword. Because I said the same with Tuchel. There's guys that he wanted that I didn't want. But if these are the guys that he wants, then he can't complain about not getting his targets. He's got who he wants. They failed or succeeded for him. You know, and, and you know what so- it is, and you know what it is means as well. Sorry to cut you, but you no, know, you, you know, um, the other thing about even him being a hundred mil, it, it it also depends on when he comes in. What does he do for the other guy that was a hundred mil in Enzo? Yeah. Because if, because if 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 it, we know that the the level of quality as well that Enzo has, and if you can get a little bit more of that in terms of we see quality from him in his position and it's not a thing where I'm saying oh you know we, we need this player so he can play like this or play like this I just think just tactically if you do want to move him up the pitch a little bit you are going to need that little bit more of a foundation behind him defensively yeah. and if that's another thing like you're saying if if Poch thinks that because Poch that's already been spoken about by Poch and Enzo the, the quote came out saying that um, Enzo was going to be playing a new position this season Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a more different position and he hasn't been able to do that yet granted he's only been back with us a little bit but um he hasn't been able to do that yet and if and if that's what helps um you know Enzo go further up the pitch then again you're, you're looking at the 100 million a bit of a different way because the quality that he provides when he's further up the pitch it could be massive so yeah. it's like so you you, you, you I, I guess it depends in which way you're looking at it as well yeah, Timson, I, I want to kind of quickly get your thoughts on it as well because I've not really actually heard how you feel about Caicedo one and two, what you think he can add, and three, how Chelsea have kind of gone about with the negotiations, and then we could kind of move on. Yeah, <clears throat> so Caicedo was the one that made me kind of, um, I think I was, it had the negotiate the link started, and um, I was literally watching American Gangster. And do you know that scene where Frank Lucas just says, do you know what? I don't want to get it from them. I want to go get it where they're getting it from. And it kind of, the what he said aligned with what I was thinking about Caicedo because they bought Caicedo for four and a half million pounds and they're about to, and they're saying 70, 80 million. No, not good enough. 100 for a player that they've had barely two years. Mm. So that was very much... Put what put me in favor of the satellite club model. Um, like I want to go get it, go get the players that they're getting it from. So when we signed for Fana, uh, that's right for Fana. This is a player that was also linked to Brighton. I was like, yeah, great. Um, and with Fana, um, with Caicedo specifically, I think he adds a lot, he adds massive value. His um, defensive statistics are really good. All on on paper, it just looks like he'll complement Chelsea really, really well, particularly Enzo Fernandez. But a hundred million feels very, very steep. 
And I think Chelsea need to take the same stance Manchester City did in their Kukurea negotiations. They had a set price of about, I believe, £40 million that they said, this is what we want. Um, Brighton said, nope. And they've gone and got, uh, they went and got Gomez. And um, obviously looking at Kukurea's performances for us and the amount that we ended up paying for um, Kukurea, um, Man City's looked to have come off the better for that, um, having that kind of um, that self-discipline to say, do you know what? We don't value him that well. We're going to go get someone else and having the confidence to say we're going to go get someone else. Yeah, um, yeah and, and uh, since even with that, for example, if Chelsea bought Kukurea for £40 million, I don't think anyone would cry. I don't think, in fact, I don't think people would be highlighting his performances as much as they do now. You know, at sixty million pounds, it's a different level. Do you get what I mean? So I think even if you look at Caicedo, that hundred million pound tag is different. You know, it's different. People look at you differently, and they expect a lot from you. And I think that sort of pressure it takes special special players to kind of handle that pressure. And I'm not saying that Caicedo is not special, but I just, especially when it's not a release clause, I just think it causes potential more more issues than it's worth but yeah, it, it, it's a tough one obviously Chelsea are going to have to make a decision whether they they pay the fee they pay the 100 million that Brighton are after or walk away it's going to be a tough tough decision either way to be honest yeah I'm inclined to just absolutely agree um because for example Harry Maguire if they spent 40 million Man United spent 40 million on him instead of 80 million his career is completely different and mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of time for Erling Haaland and the people in his camp because he's not been pro- he's he's not allowed himself to be um, priced out of moves first and foremost and um, pri- and when he does move he's not put into a place where the transfer fee um, has also becomes an initial stumbling block. Players say that they can't help how much they buy them for, but you look at how Haaland ensured that there's release clauses in his contracts to kind of give him um, some form of control in that mm-hmm. regard. And um, I hope more players do that, especially players that are going to a Brighton, that are going to a Borussia Dortmund for A, the fact that they're not priced out of their dream moves because um, if someone turns around just any any player, someone goes, you bought him for four and a half million in 18 months time. We're going to, you're going to, you're going to be able to flip him for 70 to 80 million. You'd bite their hand off. Yeah. But um, obviously Brighton um, being confident in their scouting model and um, the fact that they've got no release clause to, um, to kind of worry about, and they've got this player on the, a lengthy contract, they can say no. Um, yeah. And I think, the person who might come off worse um, is probably Caicedo because obviously he's been denied a dream, a, his, his dream move. He's now, um, I don't know if he'll be, his, Brighton are now left with a player who obviously clearly wanted to go and um, won't necessarily trust him because he's been essentially priced out of a move, which is why mm-hmm. I like the likes of a Red Bull Salzburg because um they buy players for hundreds of thousands and they'll sell them for about seven, eight million. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking at Minamino specifically um, because yeah, we could be greedy and we could get more money, but 
we're literally like six X in our profit. Um, and we still want you to, and we want this to be beneficial for you, but Brighton obviously thinking more about themselves because it is a business at the end of the day. Um, and, uh, but it's nice to see there are clubs like a Salzburg that have integrity, um, in their business model. Yeah. Cool. We should move on. Um, in terms of links to players, there's about three players that stand out in regards to links. So you've got um, Ryan Cherky, you've got um, Michael Elise and um, Mohamed Kudus. Jay, I'm going to start with you. What is your preference in regards to those three? Who would you want to prioritise? Who would you want to bring in? Um, it's a little bit difficult because I've only seen a little bit of like how Poch wants to play. But um, if you're going off like probably like the prime Pochettino team that we saw that he had with Spurs. I'm not sure how Shirky um, fits into our team like that. Like, I'm not saying he can't be good in the team. I think he, I think he's a, he looks a quality player. Like I don't watch him week in, week out, <clears throat> but, but from what you've seen, you know, the clips you've seen of him and stuff, he, he, he just looks so talented, but, um, I don't know why, I, I just get this feeling, and it's not because I'm Ghanaian, but Kudus, yeah, I feel like he could be a player that Poch really, like, he could have fun with Kudus. I think he could get the best out of him um, in in terms of he's a goal scorer, he works hard, he plays with, you know, very high intensity. Um, he can, I think he can play anywhere across the three as well in terms of, I think he's even had... Um, he's even had like a, a good few games up top for Ajax as well, so he's he's probably a decent player to have in your team in terms of covering covering um you know two three positions in the attack, which 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 obviously helps with with numbers as well instead of having like you know an extra right wing or an extra left wing or you just got this guy that can play all positions, um, and he looks tidy he looks tidy enough do you know what I mean it, with, with the ball at his feet in terms of he can link up with his players and that. Um, you kind of have to do that playing with Ajax as well. Do you know what I mean? So I'd, I'd, I wouldn't really worry too much about about him in, in those kind of areas. I think who is the third? Elise, right? Yeah. Elise, for me, I think don't waste his time, bro. Like, <laughs> don't waste his time. I think we've, like, sometimes as a fan and, and um you know, even as a club, you have to just hold your hands up and say, you know what, we've made our decision with with the young, talented winger we've gone for in in Noni Madueke, who I who I also think is, uh, I think he's a quality player. I think you work hard enough with with Noni Madueke, you will have a top top winger. But um, yeah, I just don't think you should waste Elise's time because you've got you you've got Angelo here who essentially is not going on loan because he doesn't have experience playing for a first team. He's going on loan because he doesn't have experience playing in Europe. When he goes to play that one season in Strasbourg, the guy might come back a monster and there's a very good chance he could come back <laughs> a, a serious player. So again, you, you're just wasting your time with doing that. And then you've got Noni Madueke who might get a load of games under Poch this season and kick on. You you don't need to worry about Michael Elise. Like he should be he shouldn't even be on the list. Not because of his talent, but because 
like just of the the way the squad is set up at the moment, he shouldn't be on the list. Um, I understand, like I said, the, the um, Shirky signing, and I understand uh, Kudus. And then out of the two, it, it just becomes a thing of who would suit Poch more. Um, I think a lot of fans like Shirky because you know a lot of people that love football generally would probably lean towards a player like that in terms of the silky kind of flair and skill and creativity that he brings to the game. But um, in terms of effectiveness, I could see Kudus having having a massive impact on the team. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in a similar boat. Um, I think I've kind of listed out my reasons as to why um, in terms of what my preferences are. So just from the off, I'll just say that Kudus is probably my, my preferred choice. In terms of players that now, that's not to say that I rate him as a better footballer than than Shirky. It's just that I feel like in terms of fit, I think Kudus covers so many different positions and can fill in in so many different positions. Um, that is a net benefit in itself. I think Shirky, you're more looking at him playing as the ten or wide right. Um, now Shirky plays with intensity, but he's not necessarily the quickest. Um, one thing I would have obviously I I would have bit your hand off for Shirky because I think he's a wavy footballer and you know we've not had a wavy wavy baller probably like Felix unknown but I don't even really think like in terms of waviness that Felix talks to Shirky I think Shirky plays the game like like he's the best player on the pitch all the time you know and I don't think we've had a guy like that since Eden so getting him would be awesome but. I also think from a functional perspective of the team, Kudus adds so much value. Um, his speed, his dribbling, you know, the offensive prowess you can get from central areas um, is just amazing. Um, but then you're wondering, okay, well, what if Kudus then outperforms Nkunku? So it's just like, I'm just thinking squad profile-wise, I'm leaning towards um, Kudus, but then I'm also thinking Shirky. Um, Olise for me I love the player again another player that I've wanted to bring back to Chelsea um, but for me as the way the team is now and intensity being a big part of the way we play I wouldn't buy Olise I don't think it really makes sense especially for himself because um, there's no but th- th- there's no um, incentive from my perspective for him to come secondly obviously other than getting big money but I mean you're not going to be playing that often, potentially not going to be playing that often. Um, for me, I like a winger that's got urgency um, and tenacity. Olise doesn't really have that. He plays his game at his own pace. Um, so just, yeah, out of the three, I'm, my, I've said Kudus, so I think I'm going to stick with Kudus, but it's very closely followed by Shirky. And me, do you think we even need... The, the thing is, do we need any of them? I don't think we need them. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Kudus yeah. maybe... Maybe possibly. you can make an argument for Kudus, yeah, and possibly, possibly a, 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 possibly an argument for Shirky. But the way I look at Angelo, I, 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 for me, and what Shirky is one year older than Angelo. I just, I just, and I was just thinking about you know we'll talk about him in a minute. But there's a certain Dutch, Dutch kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't. Uh, we, he, yeah. He's got his own segment. This is, <laughs> this is a, that's a Timson special. That, that's yeah, his, yeah, yeah. That's, Right, bro. So yeah, exactly. we're going to give Timpson his moment to speak about a young Ian Matson um, <laughs> because fam, hmm, 
Tipson, I kind of we we will segue away from those three players because I want to give you the floor to talk about Matson. Um, it's been what? a long time coming. You know what? We line up quite nicely because obviously the next um, segment is kind of who has impressed you guys the most during preseason. Yeah, perfect. So, uh, yeah, I'll start off with, and um, yeah, the punchline is for me, it's Ian Martin. So, um, yeah, I think he's been excellent. He's assisted, he's scored, he's showed um, defensive prowess, the ability to link up. He's done everything you'd exp- you'd hope from a player who wants to be at Chelsea football at Chelsea Football Club and knows what it means to um, have the privilege and the honour of um, putting on the shirt on a regular basis. I think you look at what he offers, his pace, um, his like um, offensive attributes and um, a certain doggedness in defence that um haven't seen from certain other players who've played um, left-back for Chelsea last season. So, um, yeah, I'm so impressed with him. And I feel like he's done really well in multiple loan spells, really well at Charlton. Obviously, everybody uh, knows about him from Burnley mostly. And I think it's just very, the accolades and the praise that um, Pochettino's praised, the Pochettino's laid on him is nothing short of deserved. And I just hope that he's done enough as of now to say this is a guy who features in my plans for next season because you've got the the, the biggest stumbling block is um, just the way of the world. A £60 million left back will always be given infinitely more opportunities than an academy product who will only fetch... 20 million on the open market unfortunately because there's an there's a there's a there's a financial investment in the club even though there's um years of effort um coaching and sourcing uh, positive loans for um a player who's been at the club for several years now and really has um the club ethos and understands what it means to play for Chelsea ingrained in their being and that's very much a um, that's very much a staple in their in, in their reason for wanting to fight this preseason and show what they can do, as opposed to a Kukurea who was looking for the step up. And um, if negotiations had gone differently, he'd be a City player wearing sky blue instead of um, a darker shade for us. What are your guys' thoughts on Ian Martin? I'll start with you, Jay. Yeah. I think everything you said about about um Martin's perfect to be honest. I think um he what's been impressive about him coming in to this team is that he's he's not even playing left back. He's playing left wing and I think the other night he played right wing and for his assist uh for Jackson he was in the middle and it just kind of shows how talented he is as a footballer, do you know what I mean? Like he's he's not even had one game in his probably in his strongest position and in the position where he shone for, for Burnley for most of the season. And I just think he's worked so hard to get to this point now. To come into the preseason and, and perform the way he has has been 
nothing short of, of um, quality. And so yeah, I'm I'm really happy for Matson, and I think I I I'd be glad if he if he stays with us and he's a big part of our team. I think he's going to be a massive player for us this season, if if he can if he's um if he stays, and he he gets given the opportunity, I think he will be a massive massive player for us. And we spoke about Kudus just now and how he can play in mo- uh, in multiple positions. Ian Matson, somebody that that is is showing you firsthand, like I can play anywhere, I can do whatever you like, whatever you want me to do, Gaffar, I can do it, and yeah, I think I think I commend him for that because um, apart from probably Jackson, I think um, if if Ma- if Matson had been playing left back, I would have said Jackson's impressed me the most. Mm. The fact that Matson isn't playing there. And he's playing in all these positions. I just can't. I I find it hard to to look at anybody else and think, oh, you know, they've impressed me more. Um, but but it's been close because because obviously Jackson has been insane for me. But yeah. um, but yeah, um, they've all the, the youngsters. To be honest with you, even like youngsters like Humphreys and that, they've all come in and they've slotted in seamlessly. Like it's it's been. It's been really, really fun to watch. Like, it's been a really good preseason, man. Yeah, yeah, it has. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I I let me talk on on the guys that have impressed him impressed him the most. I think, like I said, Jackson is obviously up there in terms of who's impressed um, on most the preseason tour. But 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 for me, just considering everything and how everything's gone for him and and how he started off, um, yeah, Ian Matson's been been amazing. Yeah, I think uh, similar sentiments really. I think. Matson for me just has just shown sheer quality in every every aspect. Um, I feel like yesterday's game, for like the first ten minutes or so, I didn't really think he was in the game. Um, but then he like exploded into life. Like just there was a ball that fizzed out to him on the on the right hand side, and then he just took it out of the sky and then just pinged it. And I'm just like, whoa. You know what I mean? I'm just like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? And like, there's very few fullbacks that actually have that sort of ping on them. Like, Reese has it. Trent, obviously, he's got it in spades. But like, there's very few players like that have those sort of drillers and pings on them. I'm just like, what? You know what I mean? They're just like, he did so much things with just quality, like sheer quality. And again, he's out of position. He's, he's playing with tenacity and also just poise and composure like the the weight of the pass for Jackson's goal was yeah oh. and yeah. like we we <laughs> like I don't even want to be talking about former players but through balls weren't a thing like you know what I mean for us like the through balls never really came from the attacking midfielders by and large they were coming from you know obviously Ziyech you know in his first season potentially but beyond that like there weren't really many through balls coming through the midfield, like through the through the tens of the attacking midfielders. They were generally coming from Kovacic or Jorginho. And it's just like just to see Matson come in field and come literally in the number 10 position, slot in and slide in Jackson, yeah, who finished it with beautiful applause. Yeah. But just the pass, the pass was outrageous. And I just feel like, like you said, again, ultimately, between Matson, um, yeah, Matt, Matson's been awesome. Jackson, for me, though, I think... And maybe there's a bias because I didn't know a lot about him prior to him arriving, you know. I did a couple of scouting videos and watched him, but I didn't really do a deep dive. Um, 
I think Jackson's impressed me a lot. But I think similar for similar reasons to Jay, Matson playing at right wing, left wing, and doing an amazing job. I think for me, he's been the standout. But Jackson, in fact, it's tough. I'm going to say Jackson. I'm going to yeah, say Jackson. Jackson. It's, it's I'm going to say Jackson because I think Jackson's Jackson. What Jackson's shown me, levels wise, I'm super confident, and you know, I'm very confident of Matson's Premier League level. But I'm super confident that Jackson can be a real hit for Chelsea. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm very. I, I don't feel. I've never really felt that confident in transfers before for a long time. Um, so he, he's one for sure that I, I'm confident of. So I'd probably say, yeah, I'm giving that to Jackson, but Matson's a very close second for me. Very, very close. Yeah, no, that's fair. Nice. Let's uh, move on to Pochettino's comments about squad size. So um, he's basically said there needs to be tough decisions. Um, and I'll read a quote. We need a squad size of 23, 24, 25. I'm sorry for some players, but there will be tough decisions to be made, but we need good size and balance. So he's hoping for some players to enter the club and um, a number a number to depart still. Um, no doubt the squad is still taking shape, but are we talking about there's a potential maximum of seven at the moment that could depart do we need, um, is that extreme? Are we just giving Pochettino whatever he asked for? Has he done the right thing by calling it out? Just give us your thoughts on the situation, Meads, um, if you do the honours. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know me, I've been saying this for a very long time, man. I've been saying it for a very long time. I, I, for one, hate this whole concept of having free four man to a position. Because then people then reference all oh, Man City do it. Well, no, they don't. So you don't have the three, four players to a, to one singular position. No, they've got players that can play in multiple positions. And that's why you think it's the case. I think that Chelsea have this obsession of hoarding. And Chelsea fans have that obsession of hoarding. And I, I, I can't stand it. Um, so the fact that Poch has come in, he's been there, what, a month, and said, you know what, this is a joke thing. This is a joke thing. We ain't going to get anywhere anytime soon if we keep holding on to these players. Because ultimately... You look at last season and you look at players like Pulisic, you look at players like um like Ziyech, they they had this and I'm not even blaming them because when you're third and fourth choice, how especially for third, fourth choice for a consistent period of time, not even if it's just one season, you know, but for a consistent period of time, how are you gonna feel motivated to play? You're not. You're not. You're, you're going to feel demotivated all the time. And over time, that's going to have a, a draining impact on the rest of the team. And I, I just feel like, and I'm not blaming Pulisic, I'm not blaming all of the players that weren't playing regularly last season. I'm not, because there's just too many men. And when there's too many mouths to feed, people will starve. You know what I mean? And when people are starving, you're never going to get the best version of them. And I just feel like this environment of having so many guys in the squad isn't helpful. It's, it's, it's counterproductive. And I think the extremities, what happened last season, has kind of, for me, enabled him Poch to push this reset button and say, look, if you don't want the same shit that happened last season to happen again this season, then carry on. Carry on. Let's let's keep the squad bloated. But if you might want to be serious, we need to trim the squad. And ruthless decisions need to be made. And ultimately, 
he might sell guys that I don't want to leave. But he's made the decision to cut the squad. And that, for me, foundationally, is the most important thing. You know what I mean? I, 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 even if he's getting rid of guys that I want to keep. You know what I mean? Unless they're like the, the real stars of the team, yeah, I, I don't mind. You know, I want him to do it his way and cut that squad because I'm a big I'm a big fan and advocate of having a smaller squad. Because if you have a smaller squad, you're more inclined for the coach. The coach is more inclined to stick with a guy that he has. He's more inclined to have consistency. And what did I say at the top of the show? When you have consistency, you're more likely to get success. Yeah. You're more likely to form um, relationships. So I'm I'm all for it. All for it. You know what I mean? All for it. Yeah, no. I can I completely agree with you. I think as well, like, um, even with some teams that do have a little bit of rotation, even that that area of of rotation is consistent. So like a lot of people might talk about City and their rotation when they when they have like some of their superstars on the bench and that. But it's it's a consistent pattern. So you'll always see a Bernardo come in for like a, you know, a, a KDB here and there or whatever. And it's like something that is, City are used to it. They're used to doing it. They know what the change is because they do it a lot. But when, but when you do this thing where you have rotation and it's just, it's all over the place and it's this guy coming in for this guy and it's different partnerships and it's different like wingers that don't really know who's moving where and like that kind of stuff there. I think Poch is going to value the Mudrick and Jackson um, understanding and Kunku and Jackson understand he wants he wants this to be consistent and the only way he gets that is like you said Meads by by letting them play consistently even when they have some poor games here and there you, you you'd expect Poch to to keep playing them at, at least at the start do you know what I mean obviously eventually if it gets to a point where they just things ain't clicking you, you try and change it but he's going to give them a good amount of time to play and like you said, create that foundation where the, everybody understands each other. Because he seems to be a big, a big, big advocate of like en- the energy in the team as well. Do you know what I mean? The, the energy, the togetherness, you know, things being po- like more positive. Yeah. He doesn't want people, he doesn't want players walking around the training ground knowing that they're third, fourth place, knowing, 100% knowing that there's a chance that they won't be in the squad. They yeah. won't be even mentioned on the bench. Do you know what I mean? That that he doesn't like that stuff. Yeah. It's a polar opposite to Tuchel, for example. I'm sorry to cut you. It's a polar yeah, opposite. No, yeah, no, Because Tuchel, for me, is more of a, not ruthless, but it's more like, all right, well, you're not playing. You might play next week. You might play the week after, but you're not playing today. And that's going to impact a player. But Tuchel's almost like, right, deal with it, though. You know what yeah, I mean? Big deal club, with deal with it. Uh, yeah, build, yeah. Big, you're at a big club, you're at Chelsea, deal with it. But yeah. Hotch is coming from an angle of, look, if you're not even in with a chance to play, then I can see why you'd be upset. So for me and for you, what's best for you to leave? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I rate that so highly. Because I think he even sees that in Trev and Connor. And that's why I think people need to be careful with what they're reading and how they're taking it. Because... Yes, all right, Connor is... He said he's happy with Connor, and I believe that. I think he is happy with Connor, and I think he does want to work with Connor. But I also think that he respects Connor enough to know that there's an opportunity out there for him to, to start week in, week out, and he's a quality player enough to do that for another team. So he would rather... The honesty, do you know what I mean? Like, if he says that he wants to be here, he's going to happily work with him. And if it ends up like that, then it's cool. But at the same time, Poch knows the the... 
he knows the positives in, in trimming down his squad. And like you said, me, sometimes there's going to be players that you don't really want to go that you like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love Matson, but if he, I know there's a chance that he could end up going, even now. Even now, bro. Like, as good as he's played, it's scary to think, but it's like, you know, we've got four left backs at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. a couple of them are going to, a couple of them are going to have to go. And yeah. so it's like, and he's, and he's mentioned that. And, and it's, and it's a thing where he, he's made it clear it's not a personal thing it's like it's just numbers like they, they can't be four three three four guys in one position and you need that balanced squad and, and Chelsea been screaming out for that for a while now and it also helps you build better later on as well do you know what I mean once you once you trim down that squad proper play your play your play your games that like in the, in the next season get your consistency get your understanding between the squad and then you can really start focusing on where you need to Start, you know, adding. Do you get what I'm saying? And and who to get rid of? And then that's what that's how you that's how you get to City's level. Do you know what I mean? By starting off in that way in the first place. For so, sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. No, I agree with that. And I, th- I think Poch is doing it the right way for sure. And just before we take on some questions for the le- um from the listeners, the most glaring place that um, requires upgrade at this point in time, in my opinion, at least, goalkeeper. So this is post-Chelsea Newcastle. Um, If you haven't seen the highlights, um, yeah, I suggest you watch them just for context. Kukurea made an attempt to intercept the ball, um, which he failed, which put Almiron in a 1v1, and um, he slotted it. And it didn't look like Kepa made it too difficult for him. Um, and he didn't have to put it too far away from Kepa's body. Um, but this is from an untrained eye. Maybe goalkeeper coaches um, comment and just give us your feedback in regards to that save and the angle um, Kepa showed. There's clearly an issue. There's been talks that Pochettino isn't happy with Kepa's distribution uh, but he's, it's something that he's working on. Obviously, we have to take into consideration the failed attempt with Mike, Mike Mignon and the promised pathway for um, Slanina. But what do we do with Kepa at this point in time? Um, yeah, how are you feeling about Kepa, Jay? Yeah, I think I think there's no doubt we, we eventually need to get... Um, you know, a keeper that is a little bit more reliable than Kepa. But at the same at the same time, <clears throat> I, I just I, I think the club are gonna struggle to get the keeper that they wanna get for the money that they wanna spend. Um especially while Kepa's still on the books. I think it's a tough one. Cause I I just I just feel I just don't see Kepa going unless the club can unless the club feel like they can actually sell him. I don't know why. I don't. I, I don't even know what the logic is behind it. I, I know he's on big wages, but I don't know. It just seems like for for us to really replace him with a top top keeper, we need to get rid of him. I don't think it was a thing where we needed to get rid of Mendy. It was a thing yeah. where we needed to get rid of. We needed to get rid of Kepa, for then us to be like, all right, cool. We've got rid of, you know, Kepa, big wages, whatever. We've sold him for a little fee, whatever. Now let's just go out there and get a number one. 
because as, as good as Slenina Slenina sounds as, as a potential keeper in the future, you can't really rely on him yet. Um, I'm sure we'll see him in some cup games and stuff like that, but um, you do you do need to mm. kind of sort that area out as, as soon as possible. But I, whether it's this season, I, I don't necessarily think it will have to be this season that it's done. But but next summer, that should be high up on the list. For know? sure. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm similar. Um, and I, I've, I've never been a fan of Kepa. Um, never. And I, I don't think I necessarily changed. I think last season, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because honestly, I think everyone's poor, but his level wasn't too bad. I don't think he was shocking. I think there were obviously some goals, of course, that he could have done better with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Ultimately, that's Kepa. I've learned to accept what he is, and I don't pretend that he what he isn't. You know, what I mean, he is what he is, so I accept it for what it is. But I definitely think that's an area we can upgrade on for sure. I don't think that for me, I don't demand Poch to win anything this season. I'm not demanding that. So, with that being said, Kepa can stay. I'm not really in that rush to get rid. But when it is time, you know, for him to win, because Obviously, I don't think Chelsea should ever be... In fact, let me rephrase that. I'm not expecting Poch to win. I hope he could win something this season. He'll be but trying. I'm not yeah, expecting... Trying. We should be trying to win stuff because we're Chelsea. Yeah. We should always try and win stuff. But I'm not expecting it, you know? So with that being in mind, and it's Poch's first season, I'm like, well, Kepa, you're not good. You're not great. Um... And your distribution's not good. You're a poor shot stopper at times. Um, and you're very unreliable in 1v1s. So uh, it's annoying, but I can stomach you staying for another season, for example. Um, and when the right option reveals themselves, if it's Emmanuel, um, then next season we go in for him. Like if, if now's not the time, then that shouldn't really be of the utmost importance at this moment in time. I don't think you need to completely change your squad squad in one or two transfer windows. It doesn't need to be that way. You know what I mean? You need to wait for the right moments to be clinical. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's my position, really. That's my position. And I, I, I guess we can probably quickly... I think, Timson, obviously you said you want to get rid of Kepler, isn't it? Do you know what? It's just one of those things where you just have to accept it. It's like I've got the same attitude as troops when Wenger <laughs> got his last two year extension. So like, just gotta accept it. Just gotta just gotta deal with it. Yeah. Uh, it's inevitable that. now. He's not gonna get an extension. He's just yeah, he will be moved on. He won't be part of Chelsea Football Club beyond this season. I can't imagine whether he walks at the end of the season or we, we, we somehow find a buyer in January, perhaps. But So it's just obviously taking this time to do his goodbye, his farewell tour, um, and take the opportunity to obviously plan. Um, He's got one um, year left after this. He's got one year left, I think. One or two. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. Well, let, let's get on to some listeners' questions. So I'll, I'll go through them. Um, don't give me a second. I'll just peel them up. There's a couple, couple of good ones. All right. So Manny Ch- um, CFC 
Do you think Matson is going to be starting as a winger in the Premier League, or do you see him as cover for left back, or potentially a starter at left back? Um, quick fire, Timson. I would like him to. He's gonna. He's probably gonna do both. So he'll dip in as um, wide options because I think Angelo will go on loan, and um, yeah, Kukurea, Chilwell, not the best injury history. Um, from either of them and um, yeah the young academy young star Lewis Hall he sees himself as a midfielder cool James what do you think left back or mid winger Um, I actually think if they manage to narrow it down properly um, I reckon I reckon he'll start out as a winger, but once he gets a pa- once once he gets a few games at left back, I reckon he'll cement that. Calm, um, Wizard Shy. He's asked your thoughts on our current midfield composition that we're building towards, and what is your own interpretation and iteration of it, and how do you think it will function to help the team? So that's a bit of a, a deep dive one. So as quickly as possible, Jay, um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on our current midfield? So, my, all right, cool. Yeah, my thoughts on the current midfield are obviously Enzo's quality. Um, I do think he does need the profile of somebody like a Caicedo next to him. So, that being said, um, I think Santos, uh, like, I, I'd be very comfortable with seeing Santos and um, Enzo start start the first game of the season. Like, I'm not that scared compared to like a lot of other fans about that. Um, I also think Carney should be playing deeper. I don't think he should be playing number 10. So he's he showed us against United at the end of the season that he was really, really comfortable in that position. Um, yeah. So again, it is, it is a lot of young players. It is, I'm not going to lie, it is. But um, yeah, if you could maybe get, I, I don't know who's out there, but if you could maybe get something similar to like a Kovacic, um, a Kovacic deal where you'd loan him and then have an option and see how things go, I wouldn't mind something like that for our midfield this season. Yeah. Um, Tibson, question from Raul Cortez. Um, top three under 21 talents in the squad. Top three. Um, Andre Santos. Um, I'm going to say Ian Martson. And... You better Martin. say Levi, bro. I was going to say, I'm oh, going yeah. to oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave as Levi now. I'm going to leave Levi plays like he's 28, isn't it? Levi plays like he's 28. So, it's true. Uh, it's true. And obviously, same in the middle of Levi. What are you saying on that one? Oh, uh, yeah. Levi, um, Santos, and isn't, isn't Jackson 22? He's 22, so he missed a cut, G. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, probably then, yeah, Matson as well, I think. All right, cool. I think we've got one more, because I think we've covered most of the others throughout the pod. But, um... Yeah, no, we've, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, oh, actually, one more. 
So between the players that have been linked with a move away, um, who, in fact, who are the players that you want to sell alone, basically? So I want to give you two each, or three each, basically. Sell or loan. So, Jay, mm. who are the players that you're willing to let go on loan or leave for Poch to cut the squad? I'd sell Kukureo if I could. Okay. I'd sell Kukureo if I could. I would sell... Um, sell Kukureo. I'd, all right, realistically, sell Kukurea, I'd loan, I'd loan Hall, because I don't think in that chill is going to get sold or, sold or anything like that. And I'd yeah. keep moving. Um, and then, fucking hell, man, I'd, I feel like our squad's already thin. <laughs> I'd, oh, and, I, and then I'd make a choice out of Humphreys and Trev. So I'd probably... Oh, I might get stoned for this, bro. <laughs> I, said, I know you. I say, you, you want to get rid of Trev. And I hear it. But I hear yeah, it. I yeah. hear it. Oh, man, I feel so bad. I do, and do you know what? And do you know what? And I'll let Timson answer the question after, but I hear it because Trev is really good. And he's further along in his career and he should be playing more regularly. So for me, for his sake, I'd want him to go because I want him to play. And I think he'd play at Inter. You know what I'm saying? Humphreys is still very young. He's not really had pro, like top pro level football yet. So I think him staying in and around the squad as the young G, yeah. I think kind of makes sense. You get it? But yeah. Timson, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. So obviously we're selling Kukurea without mercy. <laughs> yeah, we're selling, we're selling him for parts if we can. Um, where... Oh, I'm loaning the likes of Cassidy and Lewis Hall because I've got no time for um, a guy who doesn't want to play left-back um, being sold the dream of a pathway to left-back. Just let him explore being a midfielder. I've seen it with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yeah. Let's see. Let, 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 let him sink or swim as a midfielder um, in the professional game. And then this might be controversial, Um I would be. I would also entertain the possibility um, of selling Fafana. Okay, Wesley Fafana. Yeah, bro. Let him donate his body to science and see if they can figure out what's going on with these injuries. But um, I've got a lot of time for him as a player. Um, his time at Leicester. Uh, I've said it on multiple pods before. I felt like we didn't need to sign him when we did. Um, had we waited. We get him for a lot less and ideally he's a year further removed from his injuries. But as you can see, that wasn't the case for us. He barely played for us and we played and we it was a substantial outlay. And maybe we rethink that in the obviously not even we rethink that, we just don't pay that even if we go for him in the summer because of Leicester's relegation status. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. I think those are all the listeners' questions, bro. So I think we can quite uh, quick wrap up. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, thank no you. Take it easy, man. Thanks for having us. Take care. All right, cool. Sports Social Podcast Network.